Thank you everybody for being here. Uh, hello, Summa family. I also want to give a shout out to my dad and Irene and my family. Family came out here blood. <laughs> Thank you guys. And uh, Lindsay all the way back there with our new addition, Rosie. Drove out the farthest, Redmond. It's in about an hour drive, so thank you for being here. I'm really glad that um, you guys could come here and to listen to me talk for about, I think, an hour and a half. <laughs> so we'll get you guys out here by one, okay? Um, so today we're all gathered here, and um, our church, we've been going through the Advent season. Right? And Advent is the season where we're awaiting something. Right now we're awaiting what today is the 17th of December. And we're waiting Christmas, right? Everybody here waiting for Christmas is the 25th. So we're about eight days away from Christmas. And Christmas, we're going to celebrate Jesus' birthday, right? That's going to be exciting. But today, we're also celebrating a big birthday. Okay? Oh. My wife. Okay? So, um, so I just want you guys to have a good, louder. Come on, she's way better than that. <laughs> Happy birthday, honey. I love you. Okay? Now we have peace. <laughs> okay, I had to start with that. Because I would have gotten in trouble. Did not forget her birthday. Um, and so, Advent. The four different things that we've been focusing on. Right? First, Justin, he spoke about hope. And what he focused, what his main point was, is that hope is a choice we make to anchor our hearts in the promise of Jesus. Okay? Hope is a choice we make to anchor our hearts in the promise of Jesus. Right? And if you guys were here, you drew this beautiful picture, this metaphor that we're like a boat. And if we anchor on Jesus, no matter the storm, we will go through storms and everything. But if we're anchored on Jesus, we're going to be okay. We're going to be right by the shore. It's a beautiful picture. Uh, last week, my father-in-law had to do a little switcheroo. I was supposed to speak last week. He made me speak on my wife's birthday. <laughs> um, he spoke on joy. And, uh, you know, his main point was that joy is the blessing in the presence of Jesus. Right, so joy is what we experience when we are in the presence of Jesus. Now we lit the third candle. And the third candle, as Christina and Vlad have spoken about, it is this candle of peace. And they did their reading, and I don't know if you guys remember, what did they say peace was? Anybody got a good memory? Okay, I'll reread it, okay? So they read, actually, Christina, you should know this. Um, <laughs> um, peace is the end of hostility and fighting. It's when all is as it should be. It's harmony, it's rightness, it's wholeness. Okay, so I'm gonna read that one more time for all of us guys, because there's a lot in this definition of peace. Okay, so let's, let's just try to hone in, okay? So peace is the end of hostility and fighting. It's when all is as it should be. It's harmony, it's rightness, it's wholeness. So I want to ask you some questions. We're going to have a little bit of dialogue. Uh, but where in your life would you say you see or you experience the most peace? Cynthia touching my wife. We already gave her a shout out. Why do you say participation? I'm going to start calling out names. Where do you guys see or where do you guys experience the most peace in your life? Sleep. Sleep. 
Meditation. Prayer. Prayer. Prayer Surfing? Surfing. Oh, serving, serving. I was like, surfing, that seems dangerous. <laughs> um, how about like looking at a baby? Like we just got a baby out of nowhere. Baby sleeping, right? It's a lot of peace. <laughs> and then the next question is, where do we see the least amount of peace? Either see it in our lives or where do we see it outside in this world? The news. Middle school. Middle school. Social media. Social media work. Traffic. Traffic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just opened up my phone right before I came in here. It's like, woman miscarries in the bathroom is blamed for abusing her baby or something like that. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's everywhere. You open up, you open up your phone, you open up the news, there is not a lot of wholeness. There's not a lot of harmony. There's not a lot of rightness. And um, today, we're gonna try to focus in on peace. And the Bible talks about peace. And Christina and Vlad, they read a couple different passages. The Bible actually mentions the word peace 429 times in the King James Version. Whoever reads, reads that one, that's, that's where they have the thou's and, the, and those hard words. Um, and it, you know, it has, it's using peace in many different aspects, right? It has peace sometimes, he says, when you come to a house and they accept you, you walk in and what do you say? Peace be with you, right? Shalom in Hebrew, shalom, wellness, blessings upon your house and let me in, right? It has that kind of peace, right? There's times where God tells Israel, hey, when you come to the city and you're about to fight it, I want them to know a God of peace, so offer peace. See if they'll take peace. If there's that example. Um, there's a lot, a lot of different examples. And you know, in the New Testament, um, as we get kind of started into the body of my sermon, you know, Paul in Thessalonians 3.16, he writes, he asks, he says, Hey, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. And so our goal today is to leave here and have peace at all times and in every way. And so before I kind of get into the sermon, I'd like to pray. Lord, I pray that you give me peace as I stand here and try to talk about the peace that you have brought to this world in your son, Jesus. I pray that the words that I speak are your words. And I pray that we can accept them and that we can go forth from here and that we can have peace in every way and in every time in our life. Amen. So let's talk about history real quick. Anybody here love history? I do. Okay, I like history. I was asking this to my wife and she's like, no. I was like, ah, oh, dang it, there goes my sermon. But oh, what kind of history do you guys like? What time periods do you guys like? Anybody? American US history? All of them. All of them. Roman Empire? Who here loves Gladiator the movie? That's my favorite movie, Roman Empire, okay. Um, I didn't like all history because I took Civil War, really didn't like that class, but US history, I loved US history. Um, what does history, and looking at different time periods of history, what do they all have in common? What, what are some similarities 
when we read or we study history? Dates? Yes. Dates are, they're always, they're always, always dates. That's a good one. Okay, anything else? Huh? War, conflict, yes, yeah, so war definitely, okay, presidents, kings, right, sometimes time periods are described by, hey, Caesar ruled, Alexander ruled, they're different, right, but all time periods that you look at, there is war, there is conflict, and what happens usually after the war is over? Peace, right, so the war ends the countries come into a peace treaty, right? And there's a peace treaty that's signed. As I was looking into peace, I noticed that this peace treaty is actually in all aspects of our life. It's everyone, right? There's peace treaties to cause peace between nations, right? There's peace treaties that we have that are peace treaties with, with other people, right? We have peace treaties with the government, right? When we become citizens, right? We say we're gonna have, we're gonna follow and abide by the rules. And because of that, we're gonna have peace with the government, right? We even have peace with, we even have um, these treaties within ourselves, right? Because if you think about it, I am at peace within myself if this and this and this happens. I will have peace if I land the perfect job. If I don't, I won't. I will have peace if I have this much money. I will have peace if I, we set up these rules within ourselves to, to uh, some kind of standard that we want to live up to. When we fall short of that treaty, it hurts, right? There's, there's, there's brokenness of peace. Right? And the same thing, we have peace in this world. We have peace treaties everywhere you look. Marriage is a peace treaty. What else? Do you guys have any other examples of peace treaties that we have in this world? Your work? A leasing agreement? Your work, hey, I will do this, you will pay me this. That's a peace treaty. Everywhere in your life, if you think about it, you have peace treaties. You, there's a set of rules, you follow those rules, there's peace in your life. There, you, you follow these rules, you stay in this country, everywhere. So you have peace treaties with man, you have peace treaties with yourself, Right? And, you know, and you have peace treaties with, with God, or God has peace treaties with his people. Right? And these treaties, we've heard in, in the Bible, are referred to as covenants. Right? These covenants that God has with his people. Anybody know the covenants that are in the Bible that we have? What are the peace treaties throughout history in the Bible that God has had with his people? Okay, the covenant with Adam, right? What was the covenant? It said, hey, don't eat of the tree of knowledge and, and evil and good, right? Okay. Abrahamic covenant, right? The Mosaic covenant, right? Noah, right? He said, hey, I won't flood the earth anymore. Right? So God also has peace treaties with us. 
And I could keep going and going and going, but this whole world, we live in a world full of peace treaties. And as we talked earlier, a world full of peace treaties where a lot of these treaties have been broken. And that's why we don't see peace. But today, I want to prove to you guys that we can have peace in all of the aspects of our life. That we can have peace and we can live out this peace because God has resolved the conflict that we have with Him. That Jesus has resolved the conflict that we have with God. And I want, I'm gonna prove to you guys that because of that, we can have peace in all aspects of our life. And so today we're gonna to focus on three main points to prove this theory up, okay? So we're gonna first, we're gonna focus on the conflict, right? The war, the conflict that we have. Second, we're gonna talk about how this conflict is resolved. And third of all, we're gonna talk about how we can walk in peace at all times and in every way. And then I'll let you guys go in two hours. <laughs> Hopefully less. So the first point, the conflict that is within all of us. And to bring in the conflict, we're going to start from way in the beginning. Genesis. Before there was any conflict, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. There was perfect harmony. There was wholeness. There was perfect. And what was the first conflict? The peace treaty was broken. And Adam and Eve ate of the tree and sin was introduced into this world. Sin is the conflict that we have in this world. Sin is lawlessness. When we break a peace treaty, there is a conflict. I talked about all the different peace treaties that we have. If you think about it, if we don't abide by these peace treaties, we're breaking a law. There is sin and that's what sin is. Right? And then there's conflict. And so the conflict that we have, the conflict that Adam and Eve dealt with is that they had a, when they ate of the tree, they had a conflict with God. They sinned. And that conflict that they had, that sin that they had with, with God, that went on to their kids. Everybody that was born of Adam and Eve had sin in their life. So the first thing we need to recognize is that, hey, we all have a conflict with God. Because of a show of hands, who here has never sinned? Who has not broken a law? Who has not broken a commandment? I don't see a lot. Sorry, I didn't mean to raise my hand. <laughs> um, but we have all sinned. I remember I used to do street evangelism. You know, you guys go to the games and the guy's yelling, Repent! On the microphone? No, that wasn't me. No, I used to do like the one-on-one. I'd come up to people and I'd talk to them. It was the way of the master. And I'd come up to them and I'd ask people, are you a good person? And a lot of people would be like, yeah, pretty good person. And then I would go through the law that God has with man and I would say, hey, have you ever lusted? Have you ever coveted? Have you, and almost every, I think, no, actually, no, everybody at the end would say, well, I guess I haven't met, I'm not that good. To understand the fact that we are not good 
that we have a conflict with God because we have broken his perfect law. We also, when sin was introduced into the world, there was conflict with man, right? What did, what did Adam say to God? He goes, what did he say? When she said, hey, uh, did you eat of the tree? What did he say? He say, yeah, I did it, I own it. Mm-hmm. What did he say? The woman you gave me. That girl, that woman, she made me eat. She ate and she gave it to me and I ate. So there's conflict between a husband and a wife. And then in history, there's conflict between men. As we talked about, what's the conflict that we see in today's world between men? All the wars, right? The war in Russia and Ukraine, the war in Israel. Right, the conflict that we even see our own our own soil here. This whole world is is full of conflict between man and man, and that was also brought about because of sin. And the third conflict that we see is the conflict within ourselves. When Adam and Eve, when they ate of the fruit, what did they recognize? They were naked. That they were naked. Right? And they were ashamed. It says, and they were afraid. And they hid from God. There is this conflict that started to happen within them. And because of that humanity now, who here deals with peace that's the inner peace, the inner conflict? I do. I have so much anxiety. I have so much. You know, I know I, I seem like a joyous person, but I have sadness and depression at times. I have shame. I have so much fear. And I would say the whole world deals with that. I mean, why do we need therapists and psychologists and all that stuff? Because of the inner problems that we have within ourselves, because we don't have inner peace. So we need to understand that all these conflicts, they're really, they're really important and they're caused by sin. We have a conflict with God. We have a conflict with man. And we have a conflict within ourselves. Because until we understand that we have a conflict, we won't seek a resolution. I had a friend that his wife came home one day and she goes... I want a divorce. And he was like, what? We have a problem? There's a conflict? I didn't know it was this bad. He had no idea that how bad the conflict was between him and his wife. And she said, I'm already out. He goes, no, 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 no. Let's solve this conflict. She goes, nope. I already made up my mind. We've been bickering and fighting and this, this, and I'm out. And they got divorced. And I walked through them with them through this divorce. And it was hard. He didn't see the conflict, how bad it was growing. So it is important for us to see the conflict. Because when we have a conflict, especially us men, what do we try to go do? We try to go fix it. <laughs> right? And so now moving on to our next point, you know, to resolve the conflict, right? So we first, we have to understand there is a conflict. 
We have to understand that we are sinful, that we are not good, that we have been broken from the relationship with God the Father. We have been broken with our relationship in our lives with, with other people that are around us. We have a broken relationship within ourselves. And then we go to the resolution part of this. And to resolve the conflict, there's a price that must be paid. So we live in a free country, right? We live in a free country? How come the US is a free country now? What was the cost of that freedom? War, right? But what was the cost? There was cost, there was cost to what people dying, right? I mean, how many people probably died? I don't know, a lot, a lot of people died. Right? There was cost on our side, and we lost a lot of men. England lost a lot of men. Obviously, they finally surrendered. But for us, for the U.S. to finally get to a peace treaty, there was a lot of cost that had to be paid. A lot of cost. And it was a big cost. And um, if we say that sin is the reason for all this conflict in this world, that we, all, we also read in the Bible in Romans 6.23, it says that the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. So for us, for us to resolve all these conflicts, death must occur. Somebody must pay the penalty. And, um, and there's this cost, right, and it's this death. And only, only by that can we have peace. So the wages of sin is death. And that is why we read, right, that we in eight days will be celebrating a birthday. Jesus, right? the Prince of Peace. But there was a cost. And the cost was for God the Father to give us His one and begotten Son, who was the Creator and became the creation, who walked on this earth and lived a perfect life, who went on the cross and died to pay the penalty of sin. Colossians 1.20, through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. We can have peace with God because of the cross, because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We can have peace with man because then Jesus gives us that power in his spirit to go and have peace with other men. We can have peace inside of us when we know that God is the king of our life and not us and we surrender to him. For he fulfilled both sides of the trees. He fulfilled his end and he fulfilled
fulfilled our end of the tree. He gave us commandments to follow that we came short of. And then he said, if you do, you're going to get punished. And he punished himself. And so we have resolution today to the conflict of all of this world because Jesus paid the price on the cross. Now, my final point is, how do we now walk in this peace? How do we walk, as Paul writes, at all times in every way? Because Jesus brought this peace by his blood, but, but obviously we just talked about this, we don't still see this peace in this world. Do you guys live 100% with peace in your hearts? Because I don't. I struggle, even preparing for this sermon last night, my wife, she left, she left, she left. But I was not at peace. I was so anxious about the sermon. I was so worried. Am I going to say the right thing? How is this going to go? There was not a lot of peace. And I'm like, how am I preaching about peace? I don't have any inner peace. <laughs> we all in this world, we still struggle. We still struggle, even though God already paid the price on the cross with his son's death and his burial and his resurrections. But Jesus... Before he left and went to the Father, he told his disciples. He asked, he said, take my peace. In John 14, 27, it says, peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives this peace, but take my peace. It is not with this world. We have to recognize that God's peace treaty is a peace treaty that is unconditional. That is a peace treaty that... Did, that completed both sides of the contract. And he's telling us, hey, take my peace, take this peace. The world's peace treaties are what? Conditional. But God is saying, hey, my peace is unconditional, take it. And when I leave, have this peace. And not as the world gives this peace, but as, 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 as my peace. So we have to understand the world's peace and its definition of peace is not God's peace. And we are asked to walk this peace out. We're asked to walk it out and to live in this peace. Right? In Romans 12, um, it talks about your enemy, right? What does it say? It says, live peaceably with all. Right? If your enemy is hungry, do what? Feed them. If he's thirsty, do what? Give him something to drink. Right? That is not the world's peace. If you were to go out there and tell people, hey, you that hurt me, I want to go and give and love on you and I want to, and I want to serve you and I want to, it's not of this world. It's different. And to be honest with you, it's, it's hard. How do you give your enemy something to drink? How do you actually bless your enemy? This world can't do it. And that's why we see the conflict that we see. And I can't do it. It's hard. But God asks us over and over and over again, we read in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, aim for restoration, live in peace. Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone. You know? If we have accepted this peace that was given to us, that this peace that Jesus gave to us, that's unconditional, 
right? And then remember how I said that we ourselves have standards, we ourselves have peace treaties among men and people. If somebody breaks our peace treaty, are we gonna extend the same peace that God has extended to us? It's hard. But we must believe that Jesus gave us this peace and if he gave us this peace, then this peace must flow out of us. And then we could extend this peace to everybody around us. Because we live in a broken, broken world. People hurt people. But how can the people that hurt you still receive your peace? And the only way that we can walk and we can live out this peace in a broken, broken world, there's one cheat code we have. You guys, anybody gamers here? Anybody play video games? The cheat codes, they're the best, make life a lot easier. There's one cheat code we have, and that's the Spirit of God. The only way that we can walk out and live in peace in this broken, broken world is if we live according to the Spirit. In Romans uh, chapter 8, it says that set your mind on the Spirit, and that is life and peace. It is hard for us to live in peace, even though we have a Prince of Peace that we're celebrating, even though we have somebody that has your because, you know why? Because we have our flesh. And the Bible talks about that the spirit and the flesh are at war at one another. And the Bible asks us, set your mind on the spirit and you will live in peace. And I will tell everybody here, it's hard. It's really, really hard to day in and day out to have peace within myself. You know why? Because my flesh wants me to be in charge. I wanna tell me what's good and what's right and what's perfect. For me to surrender that to God, it's hard. But I have to trust and I have to rely on God and that's the only way I'll have inner peace. If I make God in charge of my life, and I say that he knows what's good and right and perfect for my life. It's hard for me to have peace with my wife because I have my flesh and it's selfish. And I wanna go golf and I wanna go watch football all Sunday. Dimitri, am I up in fantasy? <sighs> you know, and we, we fight. And there's this war within us. This war is really well depicted and we can know what the acts of the flesh is and what the acts of the spirit is in Galatians. Also in Romans, in chapter eight, I would recommend reading that one, but I'll read Galatians to us. What we will, do, what will show this war between the acts of the flesh and the acts of the spirit, okay? So if you guys have your Bibles, hopefully it's not as big as mine. Uh, Galatians five, uh, verse 16 through 22. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. See, they're fighting. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But, 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Okay, so these are the works of the flesh. This is how you know if you're living by the flesh. You ready for this? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. Jealousy, that's not even a big one. Fits of anger. What? Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what the flesh has to offer us. Anger, jealousy, there's a lot of scary words in there too. Wow. Um, and then Paul lists out the fruit of the Spirit, which I think all, a lot of us know, but I'll read these. Okay, so the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its, with its passions and desires. The only way that you and I can live in this world of brokenness, of broken treaties, is by setting our mind on the Spirit. There is no other way. If you want to have peace within, peace with other men, you must set your mind on the Spirit. So, before we go to communion here, and we take upon the bread, that signifies the body of Christ and the wine that signifies the blood that has brought us peace. I want to ask you three questions. Do you have peace with God? Have you made your peace with God? And if you have, and if you have surrendered your life to God and made Jesus the Lord of your life, and that Jesus is your righteousness and you rely on that, Jesus is your peace. Not you. Then I want you to go to communion and, and remember his death. Remember his burial. And remember how we received that peace. Remember the cost that was paid on the cross to have that peace with the Father. And if you haven't made that peace, I plead with you. It is a free gift that God gives us in his son. And celebrate Jesus and celebrate Christmas the right way by having peace with God the Father. And then I also ask you, do you have peace with man? Do you have peace in your marriages? Do you have peace in all your relationships? And if you don't, the Bible says you should examine yourself and go make that peace. You can't go to the peacemaker and receive his peace and then not give that peace out. The peace is like a river, it flows through you. So I say go out there today and make peace as soon as possible. And then last question is, do you have peace within? And if you don't, and I struggle with this one. I, I really struggle with this one. This one is really hard for me. I have a hard time sleeping a lot of times because I'm worried and I'm stressed out. Stressed out about money, stressed out am I good enough, stressed out 
What are people gonna think of me? Stressed out before I came here to preach? But I wanna lay it down on God and tell him that it's not about my standard for myself. It's what's his will. I want him to be my God, not for me to be my God. And I say, come to the cross and surrender yourself. Have him be the Lord of your life. Have him tell you what's good, right, and perfect. Not yourself. Don't set your standard. Have him set your standard.